we have had a uh, significant number of uh, high-profile incidents at high schools over the last uh, few weeks and, f and several months. This is a very concerning matter for the Toronto Police Service as well as the uh, Toronto District School Board. A massive police presence and the aftermath of a terrifying afternoon for Toronto school kids. Tonight, the latest incident and what's become a troubling trend across the GTA. Good evening. We will bring you that story in just a moment. But we begin with a story that will likely make the blood boil of a lot of parents. Police in York Region say they arrested a school bus driver for failing a roadside sobriety test Wednesday morning while he was on the job. CTV's Andrew Brennan joins us now with the details. Andrew. Well, Nathan, Michelle, we're outside the school where the bus driver had left, and we spoke to some parents, some even saying that they're thinking twice about whether or not they'll be using the school bus in the future. It was just after leaving the school and dropping off the young passengers Wednesday morning that the bus driver was stopped and charged with driving over the legal limit. Police say the 61-year-old's blood alcohol content was above 0.08%. It is worrisome. It is definitely a worrisome for parents and grandparents. Especially for the families that usually rely on the school bus. When I'm not available, they go on the bus, but now we will make more arrangements with the, uh, the father to come and pick, it up, pick up or drop off. Obviously, it's concerning. You don't want uh, any of the drivers going around drinking and driving. It's unacceptable, so um, I'm glad they took action. York Regional Police say it was a random spot check for impaired driving among commercial vehicle operators, and there had been no visible indication of impaired driving that led to the stop or any tip from the public. The officer uh, made uh, you know a good traffic stop. He was able to remove... Uh, a driver um, who clearly should not have been driving. A memo from the school to parents advised them they would be pushing for more stringent background checks among drivers employed by a private company. I'm really frightened and and I'm, I'm thankful that I'm near to school that I can pick up my child now. Education, so training, reminding, safety things for telling them they, ha they have a big responsibility. And as for that training, now there's some that is done annually in other parts of the training for bus drivers. It has to be renewed every three years. Now, we did reach out to the bus driving company that does employ this bus driver for comment. We have yet to hear back. Reporting live, I'm Andrew Brennan. Nathan and Michelle, we'll send it back to you both inside. All right. Thank you, Andrew. The issue of violence in our classrooms has taken another dramatic turn. Two Scarborough schools placed in lockdown today. Four others in hold and secure, all over gun concerns. CTV's Allison Hurst is outside David and Mary Thompson Collegiate with the latest on what happened today. Allison. Michelle, the lockdown lifted just over an hour ago, but police say they are still looking for two people connected to this incident. A heavy police presence surrounds a Toronto high school. As anxious parents await news about their kids locked down inside. I couldn't get here fast enough. Drove halfway across the city to get here and all I kept thinking is about is he safe. Barbara and John Robinson say they found out by a text from their son. He's locked in a gym right now and unfortunately the bad part is, is they can't lock the door so his teacher's literally holding it shut. CTV News obtained a video from inside the school showing ETF officers taking someone out of a room with students and into custody. Storm Parberry was in the change room when that happened. When we were in the change room, the SWAT team came in the change room and took one of my classmates out. 
and uh, I thought it was over then. I was freaking out. The call came in at 1 in the afternoon. Officers say no one was injured and four other nearby schools were also affected. We have located one replica firearm inside the school that we believe is connected to this. And uh, we have two people that we have detained at the moment. The lockdown lasted hours as police combed the hallways looking for two other people. I'm not good. My daughter is inside. And like a few months before, there is some incidents here and today also. And nobody can do anything. And this school should be the safest place, right? This is the same school where a grade 12 student was shot and killed in February. This also comes amid a rash of school-related violence across Toronto schools. We have had a uh, significant number of uh, high-profile incidents at high schools over the last uh, few weeks and, and several months. This is a very concerning matter for the Toronto Police Service as well as the uh, Toronto District School Board. CTV News reached out to the Toronto School Board for an interview, but no one was made available. We feel helpless. This is too much. It's been going on for too long. Shortly before 5 p.m., a wave of students flooded the driveway of the school, finally out. Everything that's happening right now, still can't process that this actually happened. Released to their families to go home. This is just the latest example of violence in schools and students are now starting to speak up. According to an Instagram account created by York Memorial students, they are planning a walkout tomorrow and they're going to be bringing a list of demands directly to the TDSB. Reporting live, I'm Allison Hurst. Michelle, back to you. Thank you, Allison. A new development tonight in connection with a crash last week that killed a Sheridan student. Kartik Saini was riding his bike home November 23rd from work when he was hit by a truck. Police say the driver was making a right turn from St. Clair onto Young around 4.30 when this crash happened. And posted signs at the intersection say right turns are prohibited between 4 and 6 p.m. A 60-year-old man faces a number of charges, including careless driving causing death. Saini had left India for Canada in 2021 to attend school. Another year and more worries over being hard hit by illness during the holidays. Health officials in Toronto say the coming weeks could be very bad for the flu and they're asking everyone to take the virus seriously before our hospitals are pushed beyond the brink. CTV's Mike Walker is live outside a vaccine clinic in East York tonight and he joins us with more. Mike. Well, Michelle Nathan, public health is pleading with people to get the flu shot ahead of gathering with family and friends this holiday season. They say influenza cases are spreading rapidly. It'll still be weeks before it peaks. Toronto Public Health warning the flu season will get only worse ahead of the holidays and is urging people to get the flu shot. Outside this immunization clinic, registered nurse Zach Bata says he's seeing the surge firsthand. A lot of people are getting the flu and, you know, the hospitals are busy. And The latest data from public health shows there were 512 influenza cases. The positivity rate has increased from 8.1% to 10.5% in just a week. This season is a bit different from other seasons in that it started a bit earlier and it came out of the gate quickly. We're seeing a rapid rise. At this rate, Toronto Public Health warning the flu season will peak sometime over the holidays near the end of December. We're already seeing, you know, an early start to strains on our hospitals uh, and we're not even in peak flu activity. If we have that many more cases occurring by the end of December, you can bet that our hospitals are going to feel the burden concerning for some people who decided to book their flu shot appointments today. I tried to protect me and my family. 
There'll be quite a few of us. It just takes one person. Across the country, children are the hardest hit. Health Canada reporting half of flu cases are children under 19 years old. The symptoms are more prolonged and some of them can be more severe. This as hospitals are overwhelmed with the surge of respiratory illnesses, mainly influenza and RSV. The demand prompting Michael Guerin Hospital in East Toronto Health Partners to open this pediatric cold flu and COVID-19 clinic in Thorncliffe Park. We were seeing up to 130 children a day through our emergency department. And again, we were able to identify that most, a lot of them were coming from, you know, these two neighbourhoods. The clinic can accommodate up to 80 appointments each day, providing care to children ages 3 to 17. There's a gap in terms of the number of family doctors and the gravity of need. We've not been able to cope with the number of phone calls. Public health stressing the flu shot is the best defense. The vaccines are predominantly being um, received by seniors, by adults. Uh, children have not necessarily been that vaccinated against flu, and that is certainly a missed opportunity. Dad, why are they doing Even when cases do peak, public health officials warn that it could remain at that positivity rate for several weeks. They say. The vaccine is effective against this strain of influenza and appointments can be made at any of the city's six uh, immunization clinics online. Reporting live with Mike Walker. Michelle, back to you. Thank you, Mike. The federal government is accepting applications for its new dental care program. Many children in low-income households are not getting the dental care they need. But as parents, we recognize that dental care is an essential part of children's health and well-being. The Canada Dental Benefit will be offered for children under the age of 12. Families qualify with an annual income of less than $90,000. Payments range from $260 to $650 per child per year. The federal Liberals say a national dental care plan will be in place by 2025. Here's a live look at the city tonight. High above Nathan Phillips Square, skaters braving another cold evening. Lindsay Morrison is here with a look at the current conditions. Hey, Lindsay. Hey, Nathan. And you know, it was another cold day today. We had those winds just like yesterday. They stuck around, but the weather wasn't quite as active as it was yesterday with the rain and the snow. Let's take a look at the satellite and radar, give you an idea of what's happening around southern Ontario and here in the GTA. Just a bit of cloud cover. Uh, winds are not nearly as gusty as they were earlier this afternoon. We're gusting to around 30 kilometers per hour. And temperature-wise, yeah, it is a little bit chilly. Even with those winds, it's going to feel colder out there. So bundle up. If you're heading out, we are here live at the Salvation Army in Agincourt, and we have many special donations happening tonight. But I want to begin first with the Marner Assist Foundation. Natasha, tell me what this uh, campaign means to all of you. We're so excited to be here for our third year. This is our Give a Gift campaign. We have plenty of toys. Uh, we're very honored to be here with the Marner family. Uh, representing the Marner Assist Foundation, Mastermind Toys has stepped up huge for us this year. We have thousands of toys that we're going to be giving out with the Salvation Army, um, as well as our uh, uh, Feeding Families program that we'll be, we'll be committed to. And it is so special to have Mitch Marner's family here. Uh, Bonnie, Chris, and Nicole, you have something special that you're presenting us with tonight. Yeah, so on behalf of the Marner Assist Foundation and the Marner family, we have a check donation to Toy Mountain, uh, for the total of $10,000. Unbelievable. Thank you so much for your generosity. That is amazing. Nathan and Michelle, this night is just beginning. Lots more to come this hour. For now, I'm going to send it back inside to you. All right. Thank you so much, Lindsay.
Turning to a CTV News investigation, the story behind the largest single-day drug bust in Toronto police history. The man accused is testifying in his own defense in his trial, saying he's not responsible for the dozens of guns and millions in drugs found in his apartment. John Woodward joins us now. And, John, what's being made of this? Well, Michelle, Daniel Dubayich said on the stand he's not a major organized criminal. He's just a bioenergy healer who helps people. The Crown Attorney said to believe that, and to see him found with all those guns, the judge would have to believe he's the unluckiest person alive. These photos obtained by CTV News show 65 firearms and 1,500 rounds of ammunition, more than 100 kilos of cocaine, 30 kilos of crystal meth, MDMA and marijuana. When it was seized in 2020, it was a huge bust. It's the biggest single-day drug and firearm seizure in TPS history. All from this unassuming apartment block in Etobicoke, in the home of this man, Daniel Dubayich, a commercial painter and COVID-19 skeptic who fostered animals, including parrots. He lives a humble, frugal existence, no criminal record of any kind. His lawyer, Mitchell Warsaw, said Dubayich was as surprised as anyone when these bricks were found in the room he rented to a friend of a friend. On the door, a sign saying Vandalay Industries, a reference to the TV show Seinfeld. Did anybody call here asking for Vandalay Industries? A fictional company, Dubayich says, wasn't his idea. He rented out that second room to somebody who he really didn't know very well, coming from a very close friend of his who he trusted. And that person never slept in that second room. The police found all that contraband, much to his surprise. In tears, Dubayich testified, I've been doing healing and energy work and helping people for many years. I've worked with many celebrities. I've worked with people who are dying of cancer and the doctor sends them home to die and they survive. Instead of being in the newspaper for that, I'm in the newspaper as a drug dealer. I have two cars worth next to nothing. I'm in debt. It doesn't make sense. Dubayich did admit to having five ounces in cocaine he said was for his personal use and for small-time dealing to as many as seven people. Prosecutor Aaron Panzer told him, you see there's an inconsistency between the holistic lifestyle and snorting cocaine. He replied, no, I'm not doing anything detrimental to my health. I've personally done cocaine and I haven't had any problems. Panzer said a handwritten ledger showed he was working for his roommate and his lack of cash was because he was buying Bitcoin, saying his story is unbelievable. You're telling us, in essence, you're the most unlucky person ever, she said. I'm telling you what the facts are, he responded. Facts the judge will have to sort out as the trial continues. As for the people Dubayich says are involved in that room court, heard two of them can't be found and one is dead. Now, the standard in a criminal case is proof beyond a reasonable doubt, so proximity to these drugs may not be enough, though the prosecution's case is he must have known. Reporting live, I'm John Woodward. Back to you. All right, thank you, John. And if you have a story idea for CTV News Investigates, please let us know. You can email investigate at ctv.ca or visit our website for more secure and anonymous ways to get in touch. They gave it their all and made us proud, but in the end came up short. We have reaction to Team Canada's final game at the World Cup. Police in Durham region are asking for the public's help in identifying a man whose remains were found over a decade ago in Oshawa. Investigators shared this sketch of what the man may have looked like. His body was found in a wooded area near Ritson and Winchester Roads on March 14, 2012. Police have also released these images of a red jacket, black sweatshirt, and other items he was wearing. They say he was 5'9", approximately 224 pounds, with dark brown hair. 
Police are investigating a West End shooting from last night that left one man clinging to life. He walked himself into hospital in life-threatening condition. They believe he may have been wounded during an incident they were called to near King and Shaw. No word on witnesses or suspects at this time. More fallout tonight surrounding the Ford government and its bill to cap public sector wages. The premier is facing cameras for the first time since an Ontario court struck down the legislation, vowing to push ahead. Queen's Park reporter Siobhan Morris joins us now to explain Siobhan. Well, Michelle, we didn't really get a rationale from the premier about why he's going to take this fight another round. No insight either into what kind of legal argument the government will use. But we did have an assurance from the premier that he won't try to circumvent the charter if the courts don't see it his way. Kill that bill! Kill that bill! The Premier is determined to fight a court decision that declared the wage capping Bill 124 unconstitutional. It was a very interesting verdict, to say the least, but that's about as far as I can comment on, on that. Uh, I think uh, we just look forward to the Court of Appeal. If the justice system doesn't side with the government, will they reach for the notwithstanding clause? No, I, I, I want to go through the process and, and uh, I always believe in treating people fairly. Opposition parties don't think hanging on to Bill 124 does that. He's clung to the thing. He's stubbornly, pig-headedly clung to the thing. And in, when you're competing for, for talent, it, it's stupid. They stopped your heart. The province is trumpeting the registration of 14,000 nurses so far this year. The numbers actually show that we have more nurses working in the hospital sector, in the public health units, in primary care. The NDP says that's only half the story. You can go on the website of the 142 hospital corporations in Ontario, and if you take the time, you will count 45,000 job vacancies for which they are trying to recruit. The head of Toronto's University Health Network says they typically have about 200 nursing vacancies. At worst, they hit 600. Right now, about 400 nursing jobs are open. We have not seen a mass quote-unquote exodus. We have seen more people in higher acuity areas who've been very stressed, like ICUs and other domains, looking at working in lower acuity areas. The government is offering millions of dollars to cover tuition for nurses to train to work in critical care to fill gaps across the province. This is the first time the Premier directly answered questions about whether developers got a tip-off that the government planned to open up parts of the Green Belt to build housing. The Premier's answer was no. Reporting live from Queen's Park, I'm Siobhan Morris. Nathan and Michelle, back to you. Thank you, Siobhan. As Russia keeps up its deadly attacks on Ukraine, the U.S. president was asked whether he'd be willing to meet with Vladimir Putin. I'm prepared to speak with Mr. Putin. If, in fact, there is an interest in him deciding he's looking for a way to end the war. He hasn't done that yet. Thank you. Joe Biden was speaking as he hosted French President Emmanuel Macron for bilateral talks. In Spain, authorities are stepping up security after a number of explosive devices were sent to high-profile targets. A security officer was hurt Wednesday at Ukraine's embassy in Madrid when a piece of mail detonated. Since then, letter bombs have been reported at the U.S. Embassy and several key defense sites. Spanish officials say the campaign started last week when a package was sent to Prime Minister Pedro Sanchez. 
China is lifting some restrictions after protests over the country's zero COVID policy. Lockdown barricades and testing sites were removed in Guangzhou, where most residents had been confined to their homes for nearly a month. In Beijing, some neighborhoods are now allowing people with mild symptoms to isolate at home. The world's largest volcano is bubbling up as experts warn it could reach the main highway on Hawaii's Big Island. The Mauna Loa started oozing lava on Sunday after a 38-year slumber. People have been visiting a route that passes near Volcanoes National Park for the stunning view. This is the 34th time the volcano has erupted. Scientists say there are no communities under threat. Here at home, Environment Canada says this winter might not be as difficult as expected. Our models seem to suggest now that we are going to actually be, if there was a, a kind of a flavor of the, of the winter, it would be a little milder than normal. So, and not as much snow as we saw last year. Phillips says temperatures will be colder than normal most of this month. He says as we get into January and February, winter will take a couple of breaks with periods of mild weather. Well, Canada's World Cup hopes came to a bittersweet end today. The team exits the tournament winless, but with a lot of optimism. Is that a Kubi? He does really well down that left side, and that's an own goal! Canada have one back! Morocco mistake near the end of the first made it close, but Canada could not tie the game. The 2-1 loss means the men finish 0-3. Despite the defeat, fans say they're feeling good about the future for the men's team. CTV's Sean Lethong explains. With Canada taking the field for their final match at the World Cup, there are watch parties inside the cafes, at the large bars, and at the high schools, where a new era for Canadian soccer has created a new mentality. That, you know, we could do it too. We can make it to the biggest level of soccer. Seeing players that are achieving my goals, the goals that I'm trying to achieve right now in the World Cup, it's very inspirational. Here at Sir Edmund Campion Secondary School in Brampton, they're watching three former students, Tejon Buchanan, Kyle Laren, and Jonathan Osorio. To think that they were in these hallways on the same field with these same like teachers and everything, it's just like amazing to see that. Canada fell behind early 2-0 to Morocco, but managed to strike late in the first half. As the crowds were cheering for a comeback, a big second-half press from Canada, nearly tying it when Brampton native Atiba Hutchinson's header hit the crossbar. So close for Atiba Hutchinson! Ultimately losing 2-1 to end their tournament. Yeah, overall, it's I guess it's kind of bittersweet. Canada failing to move on, and now fans are looking ahead. It's perfect timing for Canada, the U.S., and Mexico to host in four years because the core of this team is very young. Well, we're a big soccer school. Back at Sir Edmund Campion, soccer coach Greg Spagnoli says he's proud of what the players he once coached to Ontario championships have now accomplished. They showed the world that they can compete with the best teams in the world. Um, it's definitely going to be a stepping stone for the 2026 World Cup. Having learned how to compete at the highest level for when the world comes here in 2026. Sean Lethong, CTV News. Coming up, a new addition to the shelter system, a first-of-its-kind facility dedicated to 2S LGBTQ plus adults offering refuge free from discrimination. And I'm Pat Foran. Coming up on Consumer Alert, no one wants to have a plumbing problem, and if you do, you may have to call an expert for help. But if you get a very expensive quote for a plumbing job, there are times when you may want to get a second opinion. All of my reports, that's just ahead. 
See these beautiful images here at the Salvation Army? They were put together by Thunder Graphics. Sean, what did it mean to you to be a part of the Toy Mounting campaign? Uh, it just means so much. Salvation Army gives back to the community in so many ways, and we're just happy to be here and show support in any way we can. I'm here with my team from Thunder Graphics. This is Cora, and this is Brandon, the owner of Thunder Graphics. And you brought along some, some donations as well. We did, yeah. We found out about the Toy Mountain, so we uh, sent a message out to our staff and our clients, and we put together a drive. and. Uh, this is what we've collected so far. We're going to keep collecting through the holidays. Absolutely amazing. Let's hear it for them, everyone. That's so great. If you want to make a donation to Toy Mountain, we want to see you do it. You can send a photo to toy.mountain at bellmedia.ca, and we would love to be able to show your photo right here on the news. We are here live at the Salvation Army. We are building a toy mountain. We have lots more coming up. Your weather forecast is just ahead and stay with us. We have another night of great shows for you right here on CTV. If you have a water problem in your home, like a flooded basement or a leaking toilet, you may need the services of a plumber. Depending on the issue you have, some plumbing jobs can be expensive and there might be a time you feel you should seek a second opinion. Pat Foran has more on Consumer Alert. Pat. Thanks, Michelle. And Nathan, two families contacted CTV News after they had plumbing issues. They were given quotes for tens of thousands of dollars, but after they got a second opinion, their problems were repaired for a lot less. Dale Kennedy of Scarborough says in October she noticed she had some flooding in her home. Back up in my basement, water coming in, didn't know what to do. Kennedy found a plumbing company online that was able to come over right away. She says she was told she had a breakage in her sewer pipe that would require excavating her yard. She was told to fix the problem would cost her over $33,000. She signed a contract to do the work. So I signed for $33,000. After the plumber left, she became concerned and called her son, who contacted another plumber. So he came and he looked down there and he says, wow, an hour and a half later, had the problem solved. That plumber removed some tree roots from her pipes and charged her $1,700. I have a brook here. Sayuri Dominguez of Scarborough had a leaking toilet and called a plumber. She says she was quoted more than $15,000 for repairs. When I asked him about my options and he actually didn't give me any, he said that I cannot give you a timeline when it can explode. I just got scared and I just agreed to this. After she signed the contract, she became concerned and called her stepfather, who went over, found it was a broken flange and fixed it. We just went to Home Depot, got the part, installed it, you know, in an hour and a half. It was done. Instead of $15,000, the toilet was repaired for about fifty. Both families signed contracts with Superior Plumbing and Heating. CTV News contacted the company about the price differences, and a spokesperson said there are no hidden or surprise fees with Superior Plumbing and Heating. Everything is according to a signed agreement between us and the customer. Solutions we offer are always turnkey remedies, not quick patches. Our exceptional full-year warranty in all services we provide is proof to that. The company has a 25% non-refundable retainer fee, but said both customers had their money returned when they chose a different provider. Both families say they're relieved they got second opinions before going ahead with the work. And it's wise to get a second opinion on any major job, and you may want to reach out to friends and family when trying to find a contractor. Also, be very careful signing contracts, which may contain clauses regarding non-refundable fees. On your side... I'm Pat Foran.
If you have a consumer story idea, email us at alert at ctv.ca. It is a frigid night into minus territory. So let's first talk about the good news. Another heartwarming haul for our Toy Mountain campaign. Yeah, so great to see such wonderful people giving to this wonderful cause. Lindsay. And that's what this is all about, Nathan and Michelle. We want to showcase the very generous people here in the GTA who are giving at this time of year. But we also want to share some inspiring stories of people who are benefiting from organizations like the Salvation Army. I want to introduce you to Lola. This is Lola's beautiful family here as well. Lola, tell me a little bit about what it means to you to be a part of the Salvation Army family. Yeah. It's really wonderful. This church is the best place and the very right place to be. I came in this, into this country four years ago and I landed into this church. It has never been a mistake. There's been everything you can imagine. They've been so supportive, spiritually, financially. Anyhow, you can just think of support. They are always there. And at this time of year, there's something a little bit extra special about being able to have your family walk through these doors. Yeah, the Christmas gift. They are looking forward for that. Oh, it's a very beautiful moment, time of the year, and also a big relief for family like us to give, give to the, the children. They are always there to support us. Oh, and if you watching at home would like to support this campaign, there are ways you can do that. Head to our website, toymountain.ca. Be sure to click on Toronto, and you'll find not only ways you can donate financially or with a new unwrapped toy, but there are locations also where you can bring your unwrapped toy, drop it off in the bin, and then it's going to go to help families like Lola's here. Thank you so much for sharing your story. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. And we have lots to talk about, too, when it comes to your weather forecast, so we'll get right to it. Weather is brought to you by Train, the most reliable heating and cooling brand. It's hard to stop a train. As mentioned, today was a little bit calmer compared to yesterday. And as we head overnight tonight, we are forecasting partly cloudy skies, winds out of the west, an overnight low of minus 3, feeling more like minus 5. Tomorrow's high, though, mild, 8 degrees. Normally around this time of year, we're at about 4. So it's going to be mild. We'll have some sun to start off the day. And then there will be an increase in cloud cover as the day goes on. When it comes to active weather, we do have a system that's going to move in for this weekend. You can see some snow on the forecast radar, though. But for us here locally, this is going to be once again a bit of a rain story. Maybe a few showers beginning Friday night, but the main event is overnight into Saturday morning. The winds are going to pick up once again. And you guessed it, on the backside of that low, lake effect snow will be possible once again. So the flurries are expected into Saturday night. We go from a high of about 10 degrees on Saturday to an overnight low of minus 4. Sunday, though, is looking like a pleasant day. Sunny afternoon high of 3 degrees and a mix of sun and cloud in store for Monday. A few showers make their way back into our forecast by Tuesday. We are here at the Salvation Army in Agent Court. We are building a mountain of toys. It's another wonderful night. For now, I'm going to send it back inside to you, Nathan and Michelle. Thank you, Lindsay. Now to a first of its kind in Toronto, a safe haven for people who oftentimes face discrimination and harassment within the shelter system. And it's dedicated solely to members of one specific community. CTV's Janice Golding has the story. At an undisclosed location in Toronto's West End, a new shelter opened this week specifically for 2SLGBTQ plus adults. This is revolutionary. Um, if you look at the 
the overarching themes of shelters in this city, uh, you will not find a lot of spaces for queer and trans people specifically. And this is a space that really honors their full selves, the, the entirety of who they are. This is the first shelter of its kind, and staff at the 519 on Church say it meets a need that's been overlooked for decades. In shelters and in housing uh, sectors, systems, um, folks um, are invisible. Uh, they're not even acknowledged uh, in terms of their sexual orientation or gender identity. Um, they face violence. Uh, they face uh, direct discrimination. According to the city's most recent street needs assessment, 12% of people experiencing homelessness in Toronto identify as 2SLGBTQ+. 3.1% identify as trans, non-binary and or two-spirit. The 519 says the new 20-bed shelter, which is geared toward newcomers and refugees, was actually 20 years in the making. I believe that uh, there is need for specific shelters for the LGBTQ community. Jackson Mungai is a refugee claimant from Africa. Because I was facing discrimination as a result of my sexual orientation, you can be stoned. Others have been killed in some other African uh, countries. But despite the fact that people have chosen what they want to be, they should be given their safe space. He, along with others in the community, welcomed the creation of this new shelter. Coming from Africa, uh, honestly, back home, we don't recognize LGBTQ. And if they find a place where they can be comfortable and to say, this is who I am, I believe it's a beautiful opportunity for people to be able to express who they are without fear and no judgmental situation. The 519 says the shelter was designed in a way that it can be replicated across Canada and even internationally. Janice Golding, CTV News. Activists marked World AIDS Day today with a march downtown. People first gathered for a vigil at the AIDS Memorial in Barbara Hall Park. There were several AIDS service organizations taking part today. They're joining forces to call for action to address systemic inequality they say is holding back progress in the global HIV response. They say Canada leads in the number of new HIV cases among G7 nations. Also tonight, sick, but with what? Could it be a cold, the flu, COVID? The new test kit designed to get families some answers fast at home. As we heard earlier, Toronto is seeing a flood of flu cases, but with so many respiratory illnesses sharing similar symptoms, it can be hard to decide what to do. Our health reporter Pauline Chen tells us about a new test kit designed to help you in your own home. We're familiar with home tests for COVID-19, but while tests for influenza and strep throat have existed for many years, they haven't been easy to get. They're not available, and that's been the challenge. So the tests have existed for a long time, but there hasn't been a mechanism or a process that was practical and comprehensive and compliant with all the regulations and requirements. But now the cold and flu rescue kit can tell you if you have COVID, strep throat, or influenza A or B, all illnesses with overlapping symptoms. A um, couple of swabs, test cartridges, and a QR code. Patient scans the QR code and that leads to an appointment with a telehealth practitioner who walks you through every aspect of the testing. If you're confirmed to have one of these illnesses, the telehealth practitioner can refer you that same day to an online doctor or nurse who can issue you a prescription or offer further health care. 
In symptomatic populations, the uh, the test kit manufacturer uh, has done the background. They're uh, over 90% accurate. The kits cost about $60, and retired emergency physician Sam Gutman believes they'll be useful for really anyone, changed. from business people preparing for a trip to parents of young children. With, with infants, it becomes a little bit more challenging to do. Um, and, you know, obviously, um, our recommendations always are if, if your child is unwell or you're not comfortable doing it, then you need to seek direct care. It's no different than any other telehealth application. Immediate test results are especially important for influenza, where Tamiflu might be given, but it's only effective in the first couple of days. Gottman says knowing your exact illness can also ensure that antibiotics are only given when appropriate. The kits are available across Canada, and the company, RockDoc, is working on adding RSV to the set of home tests. Pauline Chan, CT. TV news. The province is once again extending the availability of free COVID-19 tests. They'll remain at grocery stores and pharmacies until the end of June. This comes as the Ministry of Health reports 93 more deaths linked to the virus over the last week. A spa in Whitby that was shut down last month because of a health hazard opened its doors again today. Dozens of guests reported staph infections after swimming in a pool at Thermea Spa Village. Our online team has the details on the reopening and new safety promises at the facility. You'll find that at ctvnewstoronto.ca. New figures from Nano's research show healthcare is the top national issue of concern among Canadians. Polster spoke with a group of 1,000 Canadians. The challenges facing the health care system topped the list of concerns. It even beat out inflation, which was the top response at the end of October. Nanos Research says health care is at a two-year high as an issue of concern. A new study says the stress of the pandemic resulted in teenagers' brains aging faster. Researchers at Stanford University compared brain scans of 128 adolescents, most of them girls, compared with pre-pandemic scans. And those taken more recently show growth in areas that regulate fear, stress and other emotions, as well as executive functioning. The royal family is facing the fallout over how Prince William's godmother treated an advocate for survivors of domestic abuse. In Gauzy, Falani says she repeatedly was asked where she really came from. And I said, lady, I was born here, I'm British. I was thinking that would be the end of it. No. No, where are you really from? Where are your people from? Lady, my people. What is this? Lady Susan Hussey, pictured here with the late Queen, has since resigned as an honorary member of the royal household. Netflix has released the first teaser trailer for the upcoming documentary about the Duke and Duchess of Sussex. No one sees what's happening behind closed doors. The drop date is reportedly December 8th. The couple infamously took a step back from life as working royals more than two years ago, a decision the series reportedly tackles. As Fleetwood Mac fans mourn Christy McVie, she's also being remembered by her longtime bandmate, Stevie Nicks. McVie died after a short illness at the age of 79. Nix shared a handwritten note on Twitter saying she tried to make it to London to see her best friend in the whole world since the first day of 1975, but was told to wait. She shared lyrics from a song about mourning a close friend, adding, see you on the other side. Stars Tonight is brought to you by Lastman's Bad Boy. Who's better? Nobody.
After the break, Canada comes up short in its quest for a first World Cup win. The disappointing moments from Doha, plus reaction from the team and fans as the long-awaited journey ends. Well, we feel helpless. This is too much. It's been going on for too long. Updating our top stories, lockdowns at two Scarborough schools have been lifted following reports of a person with a gun. Police say they detained two people and recovered a replica firearm. Two persons of interest are still outstanding. No injuries have been reported. He was able to remove uh, a driver um, who clearly should not have been driving. Police in York Region arrested a school bus driver for failing a roadside sobriety test. The 61-year-old man was stopped during a ride check in Aurora yesterday morning. Police say he had just dropped off one group of kids at a school and was on his way to pick up another. It started a bit earlier and it came out of the gate quickly. We're seeing a rapid rise in influenza cases. And Toronto public health officials say the flu season is far from over. They're warning cases are expected to climb in the coming weeks with a peak near the end of December. They're once again urging people to get a flu shot to ease the strain on hospitals. Well, today's loss against Morocco marked the end of Team Canada's World Cup journey. Now the squad and fans are looking at what comes next. CTV's Heather Wright reports. On the field for their final match, Canada was playing for pride on Thursday. Eliminated from the knockout stage, this game was about capturing that first men's World Cup win. So proud of the team because coming into the World Cup, a lot of people were downing us. And although we didn't win, I'm very proud with their performance. They did us proud. Yeah. Proud to be Canadian tonight. I think we, we showed the world that we deserve to be on the world stage for this. Despite a strong performance in the second half, another disappointing loss. Canada falling 2-1 to one against Morocco. I'm proud. I'm proud of what these lads have shown here. You know, I think you're always going to walk away from this and it's going to sting. But there isn't a game that we're not proud of. I think we competed in every match here. Canada fell behind early in its final match at the tournament. But with the help of a deflection from Morocco, Canada did manage to get on the scoreboard, the first own goal of the 2022 World Cup. The team got so close to tying things up, but the late pressure wasn't enough. We tried our best. We gave everything we have inside of us. We wanted to fight for ourselves and get something out of this tournament um, to get the first points on the board for this country. And unfortunately, we didn't get it today. So, you know, we're, we're very upset. We're, we're disappointed. With Canada's first appearance at the World Cup in 36 years, the team did manage to have an historic moment with the country's first ever World Cup goal scored against Croatia. Today, viewing parties were again held across the country. As fans gathered to show their support, that elusive win still out of reach, the team looking to the future. We'll keep learning as an organization, as a coach and as a player group, and we'll be back stronger. We've got four years to build, but this is our first step into the big, into the big unknown. Canada leaves the World Cup with no points, but with two goals and experience on soccer's biggest stage. This team will be in a better position to make a run four years from now. Heather Wright, CTV News, Doha. Just ahead, a peek inside the new home of Second City, Toronto, honoring comedic history as it looks to the future. 
Second City Toronto is starting a new chapter in a brand new home. As CTV's Scott Lightfoot reports, the location pays tribute to its comedic history as it looks to lure back audiences. This is our main stage. This is our flagship theater. This is where we do eight shows a week, seven nights a week. It is a brand new space for a comedy institution about to mark its 50th anniversary at 1 York Street the new home of Second City. It's bigger, it's better, it's brighter, it's shinier, and it is all together. Along with the main stage, the 1973 stage is designed to look like the exterior of the original Second City site at the old fire hall on Lombard Street. There was that history of, you know, the cast of SCTV started here, and all of these amazing people have gone through, and um, there was a smell downstairs <laughs> that we just assumed was the smell of legends. One of those legends, John Candy, has been honored with a small performance theater bearing his name. That theater features some of the original flooring from that first Second City location. I think I smell a little bit of my flop sweat over in this corner. Along with the new theaters and several bars for patrons, the space also offers multiple rooms for improv and sketch training classes. I'm not a big fan of it because it just means it's people trying to replace me. So obviously I have mixed feelings, but on the grander scale, um, you're getting quality training from people who have gone through the, this process, who know what it's like. Its former home closed to make way for condos. So in this, Second City's fourth Toronto location over the past five decades, a chance for a new generation of talent to grow and perform. I love that. Ensemble is something that we talk about all the time when we're creating at Second City. It's so important. Ensemble on the stage, but also ensemble off the stage. And that's what this space allows for. And several spaces for people to sit back and laugh at the comedic stars of tomorrow. We really need to laugh. It's so great that Second City is back out there ready to continue the tradition. Scott Lightfoot, CTV News. We are here at the Salvation Army with the Rotary Club of Aging Court. They've been donating to Toy Mountain for 17 years. Gail, what have you brought tonight? I've got a check here to present to Glenn for $5,000 in addition to $5,000 we previously donated in September. Oh, Amazing. wow. Thank you all so much. It's been another absolutely wonderful night here at the Salvation Army. Nathan and Michelle, I'll send it back inside to you. All right, thanks so much, Lindsay. Be sure to join Omar Sachedina tonight at 11 for CTV National News followed by Zoraida Allman with our next local newscast at 11.30. In the meantime, our coverage continues anytime on CP24 and online at ctvnewstoronto.ca. For Lindsay and all of us at CTV News, thank you for watching and have a good night.